Hello and welcome to the Church Society podcast. I'm Ros Clark, I'm the Associate Director of Church Society and I'm your host here on these podcasts. This is the last podcast episode that I recorded at the Fellowship of Word and Spirit conference and I took the time to chat with one of our, uh, the vicar of one of our Church Society parishes, David Bourne, and his wife Kim. Um, and I mentioned that I recorded this at the Fellowship of Word and Spirit conference because as you'll find out later in the podcast, that that's a significant part of their story. Uh, Hailsham is a very different place from Wolverhampton, uh, where Richard Esrin Bradley uh, is vicar in the last one that we had in this series, uh, but not quite as different as perhaps I had first thought. So I'm here with uh, David and Kim Bourne from Hailsham, which is one of our church society parishes. I was trying to remember what the actual name of the church is. Uh, it's called St Mary's, um, but we tend to refer to it as Hailsham Parish Church I thought, or HPC. Yes, I thought Hailsham Parish Church was what I had in my head, but I wasn't yeah. sure if that's what it was. Um, tell us a little bit about Hailsham, because I admit, when I uh, had a, in my mind the sort of place that Hailsham was, I think I've, I've discovered that I was entirely wrong about it. So I, I wonder if other people might have the same misapprehensions as I did. It's not sort of posh commuter town with everybody working in London and having seven-figure salaries and, and all of that sort of thing, is it? No, definitely not. It, it is uh, an East Sussex market town, uh, eight or nine miles inland from Eastbourne, uh, a traditional working town with... Uh, a cattle market still operating right in the middle of the town every week uh, where the cattle lorries come into that. So and proper agricultural sort of heart of, of that area. Historically, yes. and then it developed uh, in the 19th century, developed a rope making industry and today it's lots of uh, service industries, low wage economy, uh, with significant areas of deprivation in the town. So it's most definitely not a kind of leafy, uh, home county, Sussex, twee kind Everybody's of found their houses on location, location, location. Absol- absolutely not. Um, <laughs> as I say, lots of areas of deprivation, yeah. a very mixed community indeed. Uh, and when you say mixed, so the, the last uh, person I was talking to in our sort of series on some of our church society parishes was Richard Espin Bradley in St Luke's Wolverhampton. Mm-hmm. And his church is very mixed, not so much economically, although a bit, but uh, ethnically, is that, is that also true of Hailsham? Uh, no. Exactly the opposite, right? Yeah. really. So it's very monochrome, it's, it's almost exclusively, uh, or we might say, white working class, yeah. in terms of the, certainly the younger families who predominate the town. Uh, it's beginning to change, so there's lots of new housing. Uh, so Wealdon, which is the yeah. uh, district to which we belong, uh, Lots of houses as it needs to build, and most of those are planned for Hailsham. So currently, um, the town is uh, 22,000. It's the original plan was for it to go to 40. Gosh, uh, that's by a big 2035, change. but yeah. we think it will stop at about 30,000. Okay. So we're going to a 30, 30% in- increase. That's still quite a small town, actually, though, yeah. isn't it? As yeah. these things go. Yeah. And Kim, does the congregation at the church reflect? The, the sort of demographic of, of the town? Do you have people of all those sorts of 
Um, pretty much. I mean, certainly 99% um, of the congregation, in fact, I could probably say 100% of the congregation live in Hailsham, so we don't get people coming in from outside necessarily. Um, there probably is um, uh, an area called Town Farm, which is mostly council housing um, with lots of fairly troubled families. Um, we probably represent that. We probably don't represent them in quite um, a big way. Right, maybe not quite the same proportion as they would be <coughs> of the population. So that's sort of uh, what the town is like and a little bit about what the church is like now. David, how long have you been uh, there in the, in the parish? Um, I've been there for uh, nearly 13 years Okay. now. And um, Kim, I believe uh, you came along a little bit later yeah, um, when you married David. David and I got married about eight and a half years ago, so um, okay, but it's so been a significant time, but but yeah. less than David. And what have been the things during that time that have been the real challenges of working in, in that place in that parish? I think the challenge, as in every church community, um, establishing. The, the Bible at the heart of church life. Had they had an evangelical ministry there previously, or um, of, of sorts? Yeah. But, okay. But not um, not very focused, uh, and maybe distracted to a degree by other things. Um, so I think the real challenge when we first went there, and it was um, uh, Wallace Ben who first encouraged us to go there, um, was to kind of establish, re-establish the Bible at the heart of the life of the church, both on Sundays and on mid, uh, midweek. Yeah. So that was, the, that was the first big challenge. And um, so in terms of preaching, um, but then also midweek Bible studies, that yeah. kind of thing. And, and how did that work? If you're coming into somewhere where that's not been the habit, did you find that you had to do most of the teaching yourself? Or were, you, were there people that you could trust to, to be in those sort of running some of those groups or, or helping out with the preaching? Um, uh, initially, it was <coughs> mainly down to me to do that. Uh, we, uh, after a year, we had a curate uh, join us. Um, I mean, it's a large parish. There's yeah. only eighteen thousand in the parish. Gosh, that, population yes. size, and and the, as the church began to grow, and and, and new people get began to come. People were converted. Wonderful. Uh, and so we began to see people beginning to love the Word of God in a new way, and and the Bible to become something that was open and loved yeah. and the expectation that yeah. and that's wonderful when we gather we, we that's what we do and then as you see people as that happens you see people increasingly changed by the word and then more yeah, able to, to take on yeah. other roles in yeah. the church and yeah. um, Kim what sort of things do you do in the church um, I I suppose I, I, my my role is kind of twofold um, um, I've deliberately not taken a full-time job, a paid job that is, right. um, so that I can um, use some of the gifts that God's given me to, to um, teach other women. Um, so that's both individually or in a small group setting. Um, uh, also, I suppose the or I suppose the other side of my role, um, which is probably the priority really, is to um, keep the show on the road, which means that I feed David. You mean keep the vicar on the road. <laughs> I keep the vicar on the feed road. Feed and clothe and house him. Feed and clothe and house and listen to maybe um, be a sounding board. Yeah. Um, pray for, pray with, um, and also support um, his um, or our. 
family. Great, really. So, yeah, so Great. a variety of things, um, supporting him in a home group. So, so mainly around teaching the Bible um, to women, listening to women, and um, supporting David. Wonderful. And what have been the real encouragements, both of you, uh, during your time there? What are the ways you look back and see, isn't it amazing how God's been at work doing X? I think the thing that I found the most encouraging is a little mum's Bible study group um, that I've been a part of for about eight years Yeah. now. Um, and um, just seeing the mums um, more excited about and committed to studying the Bible, studying God's Word together. And the mums, it doesn't mean that miraculously lives have changed and become brilliant. You know, lives are still messy. Um, uh, but they're committed to um, a deep, uh, digging into God's Word to see how does, how does that apply to my day-to-day ups and downs and what's happening, um, and some quite sad things, some happy things, um, circumstances, and um, praying for each other, supporting each other. It's meant that fellowship on Sundays have been better. Just they really being each other, church family. Just being church family and seeing, that's and that's wonderful. so exciting. That's really wonderful. How about for you, David? I think again, seeing people grow uh, in the faith, we've been we've got a great uh, local gospel partnership, Sussex Gospel Partnership, that does a fantastic um, uh, training, does fantastic training courses. We've been able to send about 25 people through that over Wonderful. the last few years, and to see some of them go on and grow, um, just as we speak, just down the road at another conference centre. Um, the Women in Ministry Conference. We've got two members of our congregation at that Prop Trust Women in Ministry Conference Wonderful. at the moment, which is. And are those those are not women who are <coughs> sort of employed by the church, or are um, they? They they are now, but Wonderful. they started off as ordinary members, members of the, the congregation, congregation who've grown and learnt, and we've been able to take them all into ministry. That's really exciting. Uh, we've been able to send uh, uh, another uh, lady to. Uh, uh, Oak Hill for their youth and children's ministry program, and that's been fantastic. Well, that I mean, that, that warms my heart always yeah. to hear about women being trained uh, to teach yeah. the Bible and be and in ministry. Interestingly, just doing a plug, one of those women teaches um, uh, children, yes. children family. The other does both admin and and will be teaching um, women and just supporting women, and um, so in different, very in different roles. As yes, well. different kinds of gifts. Not all of us are going to to be great with small children and yep. not not everyone and is not all are brilliant at teaching do regular speaking necessarily yeah. but it's really key roles in church that uh, that's really exciting to hear um you you mentioned when we were uh, preparing to to do this podcast um that you've had a church plant that closed i did it does seem to be a little theme of these things last time i was, <laughs> I was talking to richard Espin bradley who managed to sell his church building and there's a sort of you know progress by by maybe um, bringing things to an end, which isn't always the easiest thing to do, is it? Do you want to just explain a bit about how that happened and and what what was the yeah the circumstances around it? Yeah, I mean, uh, when I uh, first came to Helsham back in two thousand and five, there was already um, a uh, daughter church um, from what was then St Mary's um, called Emmanuel, uh, and uh, a good friend of mine, Stan, was the the, the minister there. And that was in the process of becoming a separate parish. But I think as the years went on, it became clear that having two churches doing more or less, trying to do more or less the same thing 
with limited resources in a town which is quite heavily churched uh, of, of one description or another. And as we said, not that huge a town. If uh, not that huge a town, no. Um, and uh, I, I think one, well, actually one of the best things we did was actually to, to close, uh, actually to uh, bring, uh, end bring it being back. a separate parish yeah. and bring it back. And that's actually given a new lease of life so that instead of struggling, a few people struggling at both ends to do um, the same thing, actually coming together has given a real sense of momentum and encouragement uh, to people which has allowed the church uh, to begin to grow again. And so what, what sort of size is the church now? Um, we would be just sort of just short of 200 across our services on a Sunday. Okay. Um, yeah, so if, you, if that's divided into two, I mean they're not tiny churches but there's, yeah. 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 It, it gives you much uh, and it's more grown of a since call. then, and, and I yeah. guess over a, a month, it's about a, a wider congregation of three hundred or so. Yeah. And I think we were reflecting earlier today that it it was less about growth in numbers and more about pooling resources. David gaining a colleague um, and growth in maturity of those Christians actually, um, and then so that they grow in loving the Bible, they grow in it impacting their lives but also in reaching out yeah and when it comes to reaching out I mean one of the exciting things is that we're in March we're about to uh, um, have a, a week of parish mission great uh, a week of focused activity in sharing the good news uh, and the brilliant thing about that is that um, another church society parish all souls in Eastbourne yes and their vicar Mark Redhouse they're coming with a team of folk oh, how fantastic. to partner with us in that week of mission. So they are a much bigger church and they, they have got, I don't know if they're much they're bigger, a little, they're a bigger, bigger church yeah. and they've yeah. got resources well, yeah. that, yeah. that they're and they're able a bit to... further on in their journey as a church okay. than we are. Uh, probably more people who are confident and assured in their faith. Yeah. And uh, so Mark's training up a team to come Wonderful. and give testimonies, to do their talks. Mm. And I think we've got 21 events across the week from... Uh, actually, there's more than one cream tea, yes. I think, yeah. during the week to uh, um, actually the All Souls London Orchestra are coming oh, for a concert at the end of the week. Fabulous. And lots of opportunities for people to invite friends to come and hear the good news. Wonderful. And that's just doing that sort of thing, um, you know, the outreach obviously yeah. is, is huge, but also the, the encouragement and the boost yeah. that it gives to your congregation. Absolutely. Very often is, is and it so kind worth of it. came about because Mark All Souls Eastbourne did a similar thing a year ago with All Souls London with yeah. a partnership. Christchurch Forward. Christchurch Forward. Sorry, Christchurch Forward. Christchurch So another big uh, church. Paul Williams see. came with a team to uh, All, All Souls in Eastbourne. Eastbourne. And, and Mark and All Souls Eastbourne felt, hey, we we ought to do that for another church. So next year, we need Hailsham Parish Church will be leading a mission else. team somewhere else. Yeah, yeah. What a wonderful, yeah, what a wonderful that's idea! That's really exciting. Um, I have a couple of things I want to ask you about, which are not directly connected with Hailsham Parish Church. First is that we're recording this podcast here on the Fellowship of Word and Spirit Conference. This is my first time on the conference, but I believe it is not your first time. Uh, you, you've been involved for a number of years, I understand. Lots. Yes. Yeah, lots. I, I won't ask how many. Yeah. And, and uh, Kim, you were telling me yesterday you used to organise yeah. the conference. So well, you know how it all works. It was interesting. I don't know. I think uh, David's probably been here the longest.
to this conference the longest. Um, but actually, the Fellowship Words and Spirit is the conference is the conference we actually met at. Oh, so, I didn't know that. Yeah. How lovely! <laughs> Several years. So it's a dating ago. agency. <laughs> oh, I just you know, pass my eye around the room while we're here. Several years ago, um, we were um, we we uh, I suppose we were both on council. Um, and um, I didn't really feel my gift was to write papers, um, um, encourage these guys, and the way I could contribute was to help organise conferences. And so David and I actually partnered um, up to organise this conference. Great. And it's only two years ago that we finally said, after ten years, please, can we step down and do something different? Very good. Very good. And so, I mean, I was going to say, you know, why, why is this conference special to you? But obviously the, there is one particular answer to that. I wonder if you have any other reasons why this is a particularly special conference to you, and maybe reasons that, you know, you'd encourage other people who've not been to the conference before to, to consider it. Yeah, I think it's a... a a great conference in that, that it gives you time to reflect and discuss together. So the input is always good. Sometimes there's an outside speaker. Sometimes it's from within the fellowship that we provide our own speakers. Um, but it does give that time to, to pause, to reflect, to engage with one another. Uh, over the years, I've found that enormously encouraging. Not just the theological input, but the fact that you sense that you belonged to a fellowship with people who understood the issues you were facing and were in it together and prayed for you and that, that's, that's been a, a I've been really concept. impressed by that actually so the way that works is not just we have you know free time that we could sit around and do it but actually there's sort of organized time in the seminars yeah. and and sort of you know here are the questions here's some things to think about and so you're not then kind of left at the end of the day thinking, well, I've heard five really great things, but I haven't really had time to yeah, process any yeah, of exactly. them. And, and I think the programme's really well put together. And as a woman, I've always been um, very welcome, um, very accepted, and, um, and just a great, um, some great friendships here, really, um, built up over my time of being involved in lots of different churches um, and my input valued. Yes, so. yes it's nice isn't it, there is, there is a mix of, of people who are lay and people who are ordained, you know, men and women and people in, in different kinds of ministries and, and so on and so um, yeah I haven't felt as though there's a sort of particular clique and the rest of us slightly mm. fringy, it's, it's just felt very welcoming. Um, wonderful. And then the final thing I wanted to ask you about, David, I know you are involved with Bible by the Beach. Yep. Could you tell us what, what Bible by the Beach is, for those who might not have heard of it? Uh, Bible by the Beach is the most fantastic uh, Bible teaching conference that's held each year in the first May bank holiday uh, down in Eastbourne. Uh, by the beach. By the beach. It's not on the beach, though. Uh, lots of people refer to it as being Bible on the beach, but it isn't. To be fair, I'm not sure it's always is warm enough in May no, that we'd not. want no, to have no, it no. on the beach. Uh, no, it's definitely not. <laughs> great facilities at the Congress Theatre facilities. Uh, who is it for? Who should who should come to Bible by well, the Beach? Obviously everybody. Obviously but, everybody. But, um, Families. I guess the original vision was, which was very much driven by uh, Wallace Ben at the beginning, and um, you know we're down there on the south coast, south of the M25, and the kind of things that we might have gone to like Word Alive and uh, Keswick, which many we, we, we try to do, but actually getting church it's groups... It's a long way. It's a long way to go. 
So the vision was to replicate those kind of conferences with, without Word Alive student programme, but to do that down on the south coast. And it has a similar kind of setup to Keswick, doesn't it, in the sense that you organise your own accommodation. You do. That's so right. you can bring a tent or you can yeah. po book the poshest hotel. Yeah. And then you just you pay for the sort of conference Absolutely. things Absolutely. during the day. And there's, a, there's always been a, a great children's programme as well. And we've had some great speakers over the years. Um, just give us a, a sample of what's coming up at this year's conference if anyone's thinking they might want to book. Um, yep, we're looking at being faithful in a changing world. Yeah. And I guess that works two ways. So we're thinking both of... I guess in the first place, of God's faithfulness to us, that in the midst of this changing and troubled world, God is utterly faithful to his people. So that's the first side of the coin. Second side of the coin, how we in turn uh, seek to be faithful people, honouring him in all the changes that are taking place. We've got uh, our main speaker is uh, a man called Jeremy McCoyd, uh, from Scotland, who is going to be leading us through Romans 8. Lovely. And then a whole range of uh, speakers looking at different challenges that we face, face in, uh, uh, I was going to say, the, the cyber issues, the, the mental health issues, uh, as well as just the ordinary struggle to be faithful to Jesus. Wonderful. I, I went to Bible by the Beach once uh, a few years ago and I, I really loved it and it, it did have that sense of just, um, you know, that kind of boost and, and encouragement in the sort of, to go, you know, because it's only a few days, it's not, it's not yeah, a week, yeah, it's, it's a yeah. sort of long weekend, but just to then get back into the, the battle as you went back home and, and yeah, it was a wonderfully encouraging time. Uh, we have a great time, we've got some great music, we have EMU uh, leading our music um, this time. Wonderful. Brilliant. Yes. Um, yes, you yeah. often see Eastbourne, don't you, and sort of um, Christian music things. And yep. yes, it's obviously the hub of uh, Christian creativity. There we go. Good. Well, um, I, I would recommend Bible by the Beach, and, and not just because David is sitting here <laughs> next to me. Good. Uh, thank you very much, both of you, for talking to us. Thank you. Thank you. Church Society has patronage of around 130 parishes all over the country in all kinds of different situations. People ministering uh, faithfully in rural areas, in urban areas, uh, in tiny churches, in multiple parish benefices. And I'm hoping that our next podcast episode uh, in this little stream of Church Society parishes will feature somebody in that situation where he's minister of church society parishes and non-church society parishes all in the same benefice and how that works out. Next week, I'll be talking with Amanda about the books we've been reading this month. Uh, not just one book this month, but a whole range of books looking at various different written prayer resources. She's been looking at some from the sort of uh, 16th and 17th centuries, and I've been looking at some much more contemporary ones. Uh, we have some thoughts about why written prayers are a good thing to be using and how you can make the most of that to strengthen your own prayer life. So do tune in for that next week. And the week after that, the episode that I've been promising for a while, where I will be uh, talking to a number of different church wardens in different kinds of churches about what they do 
why that's important and what kind of people uh, might be suitable to be church wardens. Obviously, it's coming up towards APCM time of year uh, after Easter, I guess, in most churches this year. But nonetheless, every year, as we think about who our church wardens will be, who our PCC members will be, who our deanery synod representatives will be. And I know in many churches, uh, the issue is trying to get people to stand rather than choosing between a a whole you know range of names on the ballot paper but actually these are important roles they are part of the way uh, that our church is governed and the scriptures have much to say about the kinds of people who should consider taking on different roles, not just as teaching ministers, people we might think of as our vicars uh, or uh, curates and so on, but also deacons and elders, those who might serve in more practical ways. And our equivalent of that in the Church of England really is church wardens and PCC members who won't necessarily be theologically trained. They won't be people necessarily who will be giving sermons and leading Bible studies. But the kind of decisions that they will be making about things like how a church spends its money, about what we do uh, with our buildings, about what kind of staff we want to appoint, about what kind of groups we want to run, how we decide when to close something that maybe has been a, a fruitful ministry in the past, but at the moment isn't really uh, perhaps at the top of the list of priorities. All kinds of complicated things, all of which have a really significant impact in terms of what a church is doing and how effectively it is doing that. So those are not just trivial issues, they are important things to think about. And so I'm really glad to be able to uh, share with you, as I say in a couple of weeks' time, the, the experience and wisdom of people who are Uh, are and have been church wardens in a range of different churches because again obviously that's a role which is very different or can be very different in a very large church with lots of paid staff to in a small church where maybe it's just the vicar and the church wardens uh, and you sort of have to do everything. So do uh, tune in for that and uh, do share that episode in particular uh, with people in your church for whom that will be relevant. As always, if you've got any thoughts or comments uh, on what you've heard in the podcast, do get in touch. You can tweet us at Church Society, you can comment on our Facebook page, or you can always email me, ros at churchsociety.org. Tune in again next week. <laughs>